Donald Trump gets hit with a monster verdict in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case on Friday. And then on Saturday, he goes to Philadelphia where he got booed trying to sell $399 Trump branded sneakers at SneakerCon. We'll break it all down. Then Trump went to Michigan for a speech where he defamed E. Jean Carroll once again. He told people at the event uh, to vote in the Michigan primary, which he claimed was on November 27th, when it's actually in February. And he showed serious cognitive impairment issues throughout. Also, it was just really, really weird. We'll break it all down. Also, Trump did not really speak out at all against the murder of Alexei Navalny. Why would he? He is Putin's puppet, but he did compare himself being sued for sexually assaulting a woman uh, and defaming her to being just like Navalny. So it's all just so sickening. Also, the media continues to fail us, but that's why, folks, we have to rebuild this together. This is the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordy. Brothers, how you doing? Doing well. What a weekend it was. I feel like action-packed, like a lot of news, a lot of stuff going on, but that's why Mondays we're here to break it all down. Jordy, what's new with you, man? It's Monday. It's you know, I, I've Monday lost Monday. being a new dad, I just tell people I've I've lost track of days. I just go from feeding cycle to feeding cycle. So happy Monday, everybody. Apparently, how much Monday. sleep you get in, Jordy? How much sleep? Wide away. Wide away. <laughs> I could tell. I see it on your face. You've gotten a lot of sleep. I could tell. <laughs> well, look, right now, you know, today is President's Day, and it's a day where you know, you really want to reflect on the office, right? It being so important, so critical. And Donald Trump, though, so demeaning that office, you know, so disgracing that office in every way. And, you know, I reflect today as well, though, on, you know, just the disgrace that the MAGA Republicans have brought to that office. I also reflect on the fact that there is hope. I am uh, honored and humbled by the fact that there is someone who's in the office right now who is just doing the job that they're supposed to do. You know, holding that office is, you know, not about, you know, selling $399 sneakers or weird perfume or whatever the latest grift is or NFTs. You know, it's about doing a very serious job. And President Biden has met that moment. The Biden administration is made up of the best of the best across the various cabinet positions and within the cabinet positions and agencies staffed by the top people. And they do a very competent job. Are there problems that happen from time to time? Of course, that's why you need leaders. If there weren't problems, if there weren't issues, you wouldn't need leadership at all. But meeting that moment right now is something that President Biden did. As I've always said here, look, I don't support like the Democratic Party arbitrarily. It's not like I'm on, you know, you know, Team Blue because of the donkey logo. And no matter what, I'm going to just support Team Blue like they're some sports team. You know, right now, 
that's who represents the pro-democracy movement. And, you know, you reflect upon the murder of Alexei Navalny by Vladimir Putin. You reflect on, of course, Donald Trump's not going to speak out about the murder of Navalny. Donald Trump is Putin's puppet and always has been. And you reflect on the state of the modern day Republican Party and just like who they are. And, you know, I'll, I'll bring this one back up as we talk about Navalny, you know, which is like where the Republican supporters are today. Like, what does it mean to be a Republican today? And it's just so sad. And I look, there are so many mainstream Republicans, though, who are not with this, who follow the Midas Touch Network and independents who follow the Midas Touch Network. But, you know, this is not from this weekend's rally. This is from a rally that was several months back. But I want you just to think that this is what the people who are going to the Trump rally say. Brett, play this clip where um, one of the people who attend these Trump events is talking about Putin. Here, let's play this clip. But the Russia and the Ukraine conflict, what's your... Uh, my opinion, you know, I grew up in 40 years, you know, under the Russian thing. And I love... Putin. I love Putin. Putin is making the right, you know, what the, the American people is built over there. He wants to clean them out, you know. He wants to get rid of Americans? Clean them out? Uh, clean them out, all the, the, the biochemical place, everything, and the nuclear thing. Yeah. We'll have to talk more about this because he's a good, good president, you know. Number two of the president one. Number two. I love him. You know, and I always said that if you were to poll Republican voters today and you were to say, who would you rather lead the United States of America, Vladimir Putin or Joe Biden? I would say basically the same numbers of support that Trump gets, I think you would see with Putin. By the way, I think if it's not just who would you support Putin or Biden, I think if you did that, you know, Putin or Nikki Haley, Putin or Mitt Romney, you know, Putin or George W. Bush. And you ask that to the modern day Republican, you know, voting class, which is scary. I think they would want to turn over the country to Vladimir Putin. The amount, Brett and Jordy, of disinformation injected into the veins of people every single day. Yeah, they go and they, they go to these rallies. Take a look at this for our YouTube viewers. You know, they wear these shirts, I'd rather be a Russian than a Democrat. And, and this is the talking points that are spewed, not by all of the hosts on Fox, but by some of their more popular ones and right-wing media across the spectrum. Like, this is what we're dealing with. And this isn't a minor issue. This is like just such a fundamental issue to our national security. That's where the Republican Party is. Yeah, I mean, we what we've noticed in the past few years is this complete co-opting of the Republican Party by Russia in so many ways. And some people, you're not sure, like, are they just useful idiots? Are they just parroting what they think is the quote unquote populist thing that they think their supporters are going to like? Or is it even more nefarious? And are they getting talking points kind of directly from the Kremlin? I think it's to be determined with some of these people uh, what exactly is what here. But what is undeniable is that far too frequently, the talking points that come out of the Republican Party, the things that Donald Trump writes on Truth Social, not are only similar to the mm -hmm. things that Vladimir Putin says, but they are identical 
to what Vladimir Putin says. Some of these posts that Trump makes, like what, like what he said about Navalny after Navalny was killed, could have been a statement issued by Vladimir Putin himself. That's how close these all are. And I think it's important that we all kind of take a look and understand what's happening. And we already know how the Russians and foreign entities work to sow disinformation, to sow discord amongst the populace in the United States, to try to pit Americans against each other. And they're doing that more than ever right now. I mean, we saw this report uh, over the weekend, I believe it was, about X, about about Twitter, that was speaking about Super Bowl traffic, uh, that ads were getting. And it said something like a whopping, it was around 74 or 75% of the traffic that was on Twitter during the Super Bowl was fake, fake traffic. And I've noticed myself when I post comments on social media, how many bots there are, how many people are clearly writing through services like ChatGPT or stock photos as their as their stock. profile images, but I thought Elon Musk was going to come in and fix fix the bot problem. F- fix the bot problem. Oh, it's 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 like all bots. And so oh. even when you argue with people on the internet, sometimes like if you actually engage with folks, like you should know like it's a pretty good chance you're engaging with a robot or you're engaging with somebody who is in like a, a Russian computer farm who is trying to bother right. you and is trying to set you off. That's the reality of the online landscape right now. And it seeps so into our politics and the Republicans buy it hook, line and sinker once again, either willingly or unwillingly. And it's affecting the global world order. It's affecting global security. It's affecting our security here at home and it's Mm -hmm. affecting all of our lives. Well, we live in this, to your point, Brad, we live in this era of digital warfare. So when you're being distracted by this Russian bot and spending your time you know, pro-democracy folks out there yelling back and forth with literally a bot or some Russian disinfo troll, they're doing their objective, right? They're taking you off the mission. They're they're making sure that you're no longer looking at the target. So I just recommend heavily that you stay focused and don't let those lunatics drag you down because what, you're going to change their opinion? No, that's the whole point, right? They're, They're there to instigate, annoy, and spread disinformation. And the other thing with Elon Musk, real quick, Brett, you know, his idea of fixing the bot problem of Twitter was was to make the bots work better for him, right? No one argued that there wasn't a bot issue before he had signed on to it, but he's now somehow manipulated the platform so much to like double the amount of bots and have them all push his his, his disinformation for that MAGA echo chamber that we see. It's, it's all bots. It's all, it's cooked. You know, you know look though, <laughs> as you think, Jerdy, you talk about the cyber warfare that's taking place with that, but on the battlefields in Ukraine, Avdivka, has yeah. fallen based on the fact that they're out of supplies in Ukraine because America's not stepping up to its commitments. America's not being a world leader, and it's not a both sides issue. It's Donald Trump ordered MAGA Mike, the Speaker of the House, to not bring up a bill that would receive bipartisan support to fund Ukraine to help Vladimir Putin. You've got Donald Trump telling MAGA Mike Johnson to kill a border bill, a bipartisan deal that was actually negotiated. The lead negotiator was a Republican Oklahoma Senator, James Lankford, who Donald Trump previously endorsed as being tough on the border when Donald Trump you know, wanted to give that endorsement. And now Donald Trump wants to create chaos at the border, affirmatively wants to harm the country to run on that issue. And you think about, 
you know, Occam's razor, like, where is this all coming from? And when Donald Trump says, Russia, 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 that's always a very big tell right there because he wants to downplay that that is the source of a lot of this or, or most of where this chaos and dysfunction is coming, that Donald Trump is Vladimir Putin's puppet. And look, I don't want to ever forget about you know this clip right here at Helsinki. It was one of the most disgraceful days, again, to think about what President's Day means and how you know our country had so many great leaders. And then think about Donald Trump standing on a stage with Vladimir Putin, who's trying to destroy our country in Helsinki. Let's play this clip just to remind you, because we can't have collective amnesia as a country of what happened and how our country was so disgraced by Donald Trump. Play this clip. My first question for you, sir, is who do you believe? My second question is, would you now, with the whole world watching, tell President Putin, would you denounce what happened in 2016 and would you warn him to never do it again? So let me just say that we have two thoughts. You have groups that are wondering why the FBI never took the server. Haven't they taken the server? Why was the FBI told to leave the office of the Democratic National Committee? I've been wondering that. I've been asking that for months and months, and I've been tweeting it out and calling it out on social media. Where is the server? I want to know where is the server and what is the server saying? With that being said, all I can do is ask the question. My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server. Uh, But I have uh, I have confidence in both parties. I I really believe that this will probably go on for a while, but I don't think it can go on without finding out what happened to the server. What happened to the servers of the Pakistani gentleman that worked on the DNC? Where are those servers? They're missing. Where are they? What happened to Hillary Clinton's emails? 33,000 emails, gone, just gone. I think in Russia they wouldn't be gone so easily. I think it's a disgrace that we can't get Hillary Clinton's 33,000 emails. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Okay. Thank you. I mean, how shameful. I mean, how shameful, how embarrassing for our country. You got Donald Trump up there saying Putin was very powerful and very strong in his denial. I bet Russia wouldn't let the DNC get away with that. I mean, if you watch that and you think that that's what you want again, There's some real serious issues right there. And that's when I go back to Occam's razor. The simplest explanation must be that you really want to destroy the United States of of America, or you're just a total idiot. You know, you know, it's 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 one, you know, and I know I'm not trying to just throw out like ad hominem attacks on people, but when you're literally supporting people who want to destroy the country, who are saying it who are mocking the country, when you're rooting for the enemy to destroy your country, th- therein lies a pretty big freaking problem right there. But by the way, 
Donald Trump's been saying this for a very like long time. Like this clip from 2014, where Donald Trump praised Vladimir Putin invading Crimea. You, you remember this clip? Let's play this one. All right, last name, Vladimir Putin. Well, he's done an amazing job of taking the mantle and he's taken it away from the president. And you look at what he's doing and so smart when you see the riots in a country because they're hurting the Russians. OK, we'll go and take it over. And he's really going step by step by step. And you have to give him a lot of credit. Interestingly, on the Miss Universe pageant, we just left Moscow. He could not have been nicer. He was so nice and so everything. But you have to give him credit that what he's doing for that country in terms of their world prestige is very strong. Last thought. Who's the better leader, President Obama or President Putin? Well, it's not even a contest at this point. Now, Obama can maybe come back and maybe something happens. But so far, he has played Obama like a fiddle. So tell me a little bit about Celebrity Apprentice. You know, so... I also wanted to show that clip because that was Fox right there, right? Consist that was 2014, consistently pumping every day this propaganda for decades now, every single day, billions of dollars injected into it. And they've pushed that on people every single day. And they create this fear this panic. They don't go through the facts. They don't go through the data, right? When it comes to someone like Justice Arthur and Goron, who makes a ruling I was just watching before, I'm going to do a hot take on this for tomorrow morning. You had Janine Pirro go, oh, and Goron, he's just an idiot. He's an, he's a crazy man. He's an, he's an idiot. Um, and you had Jessica Tarlov and she was basically saying, look, Donald Trump kept these separate sets of books and he would inflate and deflate assets. And Janine Pirro said, says who? Like, well, says the judge. The judge is an idiot. And it was like, well, if you've actually been following the case and you've gone through the facts and the data, and if you've done real reporting and you've showed the deposition of Donald Trump where Donald Trump says he doesn't know anything about generally accepting accounting principles, despite there was a loan covenant that required him to certify that his statements were consistent with GAAP or generally accepting accounting principles. Trump said Weisselberg was responsible for it. You go to Weisselberg's deposition. Weisselberg says, I'm not a CPA. I don't know anything about generally accepting accounting principles. All right. You go to Eric Trump, who's supposed to be one of the leaders of the Trump organization. Eric Trump said, he never even saw a statement of financial condition, then had to admit when he was on the stand that actually he at least looked at one statement of financial condition. But he's supposed to be the leader of the organization. He hasn't read the statement of financial condition. Don Jr. wasn't aware that the Trump organization doesn't currently have a chief financial officer. He thought there was currently a CFO. There is no CFO. And he doesn't know anything about generally accepting accounting principles. You go to Ivanka Trump's deposition. She doesn't recall or remember anything at all. So that's the testimony of these people who you want to say, oh, these are, these are people who are running a very good business, a very strong and powerful business. They don't even know the most basics of their business or they're just lying about everything. And it was obvious from the documents that Donald Trump kept a separate set of books. 
He would deflate and, in, and inflate the assets depending on if he wanted to pay less property taxes. He would say the property is under $26 million and say it's a commercial property, for example, with respect to Mar-a-Lago. Then when he'd want to take out a loan, he would lie and say it was a residential property worth $300 or $400 million, not $1.5 billion, which he again lies about. But therein lies the fraud in the case. All of the data inputs were fraudulent by Donald Trump when you put it through any valuation methodology. This wasn't about subjective valuation methodologies. It was about the fraudulent data inputs by saying a commercial property is a residential property, by saying a 10,000 square foot penthouse is a 30,000 square foot uh, penthouse. Um, you know, similarly by saying, you know, a building is fully leased and fully occupied when it's not and saying that you get the highest possible lease amounts when they're rent controlled. And you can go through each and every property where he runs the same type of scam. And ultimately in the 92 page order, Justice Arthur and Gorod goes through each witness, each property, the testimony on a very granular basis and explains the different fraud that took place. And it is a, I think, an appeal-proof order. It's a very, it's a very strongly worded order. Um, you know, and, and that's the status of it, Brett and Jordy. It's not, you know, it's not some conspiracy or some crazy judge. It's Donald Trump throughout his whole life has gone bankrupt with his various entities. Mm -hmm. And he's doing it again. He just runs the same fraud over and over and over again. And the crimes that we're seeing, the verdicts that we're seeing related to Donald Trump often concern just hard data. These are numbers, right? These are things that were written in documents. There's no like real debate about it here. So their attempt to even make it a debate on channels like Fox is just their attempt to try to just sow some doubt in something that is absolutely undeniable. We have the depositions. We have the papers. They have the books. They had a financial monitor watching the Trump organization who is now going to remain watching the Trump organization for the foreseeable future. And what did this person see? They found a lot of inconsistencies, a lot of errors across the entire Trump organization. It's a organization that was based on fraud. The entire thing is a con. And I think one of the disturbing things also that sticks out to me when we show clips like of Janine Pirro, Penn, is that Janine Pirro was a district attorney in Westchester County. Scary. This who should know better. And it goes back to that idea that we bring up on this show about Republicans frequently just electing the worst people, putting them in power, putting them in control over people's lives. Could you imagine if your case was prosecuted by Janine Pirro and you're seeing the way she presents herself on Fox News, often appearing as if she may or may not be a little inebriated, shouting things that are just completely not in line with what the laws are whatsoever. And this person was in charge of prosecuting people and getting people locked up. When we, they, whenever they talk about this kind of whole, oh, weaponizing the justice system, you know, it, it's always the things that they're thinking about and they want to do. And that's just all I think about when I see somebody like Janine Pirro. I mm -hmm. saw she also said something the other day that was just so incredibly clownish. She was like, who said financial fraud is a crime? Who said it's a crime to lie on your books? Like this was an actual comment she made a couple days ago. And I responded to that saying, well, I, I think she should know best. Her 
ex-husband was pardoned by Donald Trump for tax crimes. Pardoned by Donald Trump for tax crimes. And I think a frequent thing when you do see these people that are just so in the tank for Trump, you see these Russian style quid pro quos that have happened. And they may not always be direct like, hey, Janine, I'm going to do this for you if you do something for me. But you could be sure that somebody's going to go to bat for the person who pardoned, you know, your ex-husband if you still have a relationship with them, right? And Donald Trump issues out these favors the same way Vladimir Putin issues out these favors to oligarchs. And I think when you look forms. at somebody like a judge, like a like a Janine Pirro Brett, right, who's just become such a caricature of herself, who who. How can she even look in the mirror at night? And ultimately, it comes down to this. Yes, perhaps there was a, yes, Ben, exactly. Perhaps there was a stage in her life where she was a well-respected whatever, right? Where she would go in and she did the work and she would, you know, read the briefing. She, she, would, she, she would do the work. But then at a certain point, the money became the factor and it just totally corrupted her. So you see this whole persona that she puts on at Fox, right? Part of it is just simply a show, right? But then how does one live with themselves when they understand that they're lying to the American people at mass, right? When their lies are actually killing people and making this country just so angry with each other, right? All of a sudden you end up with a potentially inebriated host hosting on Fox News. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to make any pointed accusations there, but it's like, how can she genuinely look in the mirror? and say, I'm okay with what I am doing. How does she sleep at night? She sleeps on a pile of money. That's what she does. Well, when you look at the Fox files, all of those text messages that were released in connection with the defamation lawsuits brought by Dominion and, and, and others, they, they sleep quite fine. They, don't, they really don't give a crap. <laughs> like, And it's very simple. The motivation is money. They don't care. And they... Um, they recognize and realize that they're manipulating their audience. They hate their audience. They talk about how much they hate their audience, and they just continue to feed the audience crap. It's like everything that they claim that like the quote-unquote left-wing media would say about their audience, the Fox hosts are the ones saying that about their audience. So look, Brett and Jordy, in addition to the big headline though about Justice Arthur and Goron's order of the you know, $355 million or so against Donald Trump and the Trump organization uh, in that final judgment, when you add up some of the other uh, individuals like Don Jr. and Eric, you get to like 364, um, you know, in addition to the fact that Trump can't take out loans from entities that are certified with, um, you know, the, the, the state of New York. To me, what I was always telling people is look at what's going to happen with this independent monitor. Because remember that Donald Trump's lawyer in late January attacked this retired federal judge, Barbara Jones, after she issued a 14 month look back analysis and found these inconsistent, erroneous, and incomplete financial statements during the pendency of this litigation. And if I may, I think one of the most powerful parts of Justice Ngoron's order is where he talks about this retired federal district court judge, Barbara Jones. Now, she used to be a federal judge for the Southern District of New York, which is like one of the most respected courts. She's someone who Donald Trump was responsible for picking to be the independent monitor. As uh, Justice Ngoron points out in footnote 
number 56 on page 86. Uh, and Goron writes, the court did not appoint Judge Jones randomly or arbitrarily or by happenstance. Rather, she was the only one of the three candidates that both sides proposed for the position of independent monitor. However, after she issued her scathing January 26, 2024 report, quite critical of defendant, meaning the Trump's financial practices, defendants changed their tune. Overnight, a universally respected former judge with a stellar resume nominated by defendants themselves joined the ranks of all those people and institutions being unfair to defendants and out to get them. And this is what Judge Jones stated in her final report. This is also on page 86. So mind you, what Judge Jones, Barbara Jones, is writing about is what she observed from the 14 months when she was first appointed in November of 2022. Okay, not before that, while the lawsuit was taking place, after Justice Ngoron issued a preliminary injunction. Here's what's stated. In her final report, Judge Jones made the following findings and observations. One, beginning in 2022, defendants elected no longer to submit statement of financial conditions, instead crafting their own list of the trust's material assets and material liabilities which does not include estimated current values of the properties contained therein and does not include a balance sheet of the guarantor or any representations regarding his financial condition, notwithstanding the loan covenants that still require it. So just pause there for a second, right? This whole lawsuit brought by the New York Attorney General in many ways relates to Donald Trump making these false SFCs, these statement of financial conditions, right, that are part of the loan covenants. So what does Donald Trump do after the lawsuit is filed? He stops doing statement of financial conditions in total. And he instead creates his own thing called trust material assets and material liabilities, which is not what's in the loan covenants. So just think about that was his response to being called out for the fraud in the statement of financial conditions, not to do statement of financial conditions, even though that's what's required in the loan covenants in the contracts. Two, during the course of her monitorship, defendants transferred significant funds outside of the trust without notifying the monitor as they were obligated to do. Three, During the course of her monitorship, defendants have submitted disclosures to third parties that fail to include significant liabilities. Four, the defendants are no longer representing that any disclosures are GAAP compliant, despite certain continuing obligations to do so. Five, annual budgets of projected performance were submitted to third parties that were materially different from the actual budgets of the prior year and which excluded or significantly reduced actual management fees as liabilities. Six, the internal accounting structure of the Trump organization continues to be plagued by math and or reporting errors. And seven, there are no adequate internal controls over financial reporting in place at the Trump organization to ensure that there will not continue to be misstatements and errors going forward. Like, that's just the facts right there. And I could go on and keep on reading, but one of the things that Justice Ngoron, you know, requires in his ruling is this ongoing monitorship 
where retired federal judge Barbara Jones can report quickly back to the court on issues and problems and flag them. And then there can be separate hearings that are held going forward instead of like lawsuits after lawsuits that have to be filed. But like, just think about that. That's what was taking place while the lawsuit was pending. Trump was engaged in that conduct. So that was while they were being watched. That was while they were being watched. Imagine what they were doing when they were not being watched. They were still committing fraud after the lawsuit. It's just, it's so mind numbing. It's so, I would say unbelievable, but with the Trumps, it's obviously entirely believable that this is going to happen. But you see their strategy used over and over again, which is just ruthlessly attack, 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 attack the judge, attack the prosecutor, attack the monitor. And at a certain point that starts, that doesn't work. There's a, there's a backlash to that in a way from the court system. And in all of these cases, Donald Trump, the judgments against him, the, the judgments against the Trump organization, the executives, whoever we're speaking about, I think they would have been substantially less if Donald Trump behaved like an actual adult and actually was honest in court and actually behaved and didn't do these vicious attacks on people. But instead, what does he do in the Eugene Carroll case? Leaves court, defames her more, defames her more, defames her more. Okay, add another 5 million, add another 10 million, add another 10 million. That's what we're going to see to continue to happen. And as we see these criminal cases too, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the stakes there are, of course, and I'm not talking about Trump stakes, which uh, we'll get into when we talk about the one of the many Trump uh, failed businesses, but the stakes there are going to be that much higher when Donald Trump is in front of a federal judge for a criminal trial as he continues to face that. We've now seen the monetary damages of Trump's actions. Just wait for the criminal. And then I just March want to make this one. Sorry, Jay. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say March 25th, the Manhattan District Attorney criminal case against Donald Trump is going, right? There was a hearing before Judge Juan Mershon last week, and Donald Trump's lawyers showed up, and they tried to do their theatrics. This is election interference. We shouldn't have to start this trial on March 25th, but Judge Mershon ordered, no, you're going to trial on March 25th, come hell or high water. So the first felony criminal case against Donald Trump, be there. March 25th. Jay, sorry to interrupt you. No, that was actually verbatim what I was going to say. So that's pretty crazy. Word for word, bar for bar. <laughs> word for word. <laughs> and, 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 and remember, every every single day that goes by, it's what, Ben? Like $90,000 of interest added to these judgments. And yeah. Donald Trump will have to put up the money to appeal this. He will have to put up equal to the full amount, right? In order to- Yeah, he's got to post at least equal. And I think sometimes it's even like, you know, an extra 10% on top of that to cover- uh, the interest as well, if he wants to stay um, any enforcement actions against him. And earlier today, Alina Haba was giving her media rounds and she claimed, oh, he's got the $400 million ready to go, which tells me he does not have the $400 million right. ready to go. I got she- pocket aces like playing poker. I got pocket, <laughs> I got pocket aces. I have, I have Everything is, a, it's, it's the meme, right? This is fine. This is fine. Everything's Every, fine. Everything, everything's burning Everything's around. on fire. Yeah. You know, it's his whole shtick though, right? He just wants to sow doubt, right? For the American people. And then the media, legacy media just takes the bait and they write about how unfairly he's being prosecuted. So that's why just big ups to the Midas Mighty in this community here, this pro-democracy loving community that understands what's actually happening because- Ultimately, we're all in this together, right? We see the facts. We're not going to gaslight you. If things aren't looking good, Ben's going to tell you things aren't looking good. But that's, yeah, 
that's yet to be that's yet to be told because once you file the data and the facts, all you have to realize is this guy is screwed and he's just trying to delay, delay, delay. One more point I want to make. I know it's a little bit ago since we had played that clip. Ben, you said that clip was from 2014 when Trump was on Fox. Uh, I don't know. What, is it just, just praising Putin? I mean, just like outright praising the guy. The cognitive dip from 2014 to 2023, 2024, where we are now from Donald Trump needs to be spoken about at a much larger degree. In that clip, like, okay, you could make a you can make the case that he's actually saying coherent sentences there. He would not be able to give that same exact interview under the same exact circumstances and give you answers remotely similar to what he had discussed in that interview as far as just him articulating the sentences. And I just think people need to wake up and see, hey, this guy, this guy with the orange face and the orange hair, he's not he's not OK right now. He's not well. Here's what I think about about what Trump's doing, though. I think Trump knows that he's done everything that he's done. I think Trump knows he's liable for everything he's done. I think Trump knows he's guilty for everything he's done. And so he knows that he has, uh, in his mind, he has one option left. That's cause a scene. That's basically the game's over. So what are you going to do, right? He's going to throw the pieces on the floor. He's going to cause chaos. He's going to try to cause a scene. And his big hope is that ultimately he gets back in the White House and this all goes away. That's his plan. His plan is to play this as purely a media-driven case, even though that may hurt him, at least in the short term. That's his goal. He wants to play it in the media. He wants to play to his Trump cult. He wants to build this animosity against the justice system, against the prosecutors, against blue states, against Biden, against whatever he wants to do, even though none of those things are even related in in most cases. And then he's going to get guilty verdict after guilty verdict. He's going to be held liable. He's going to owe a lot of money. And his last ditch effort, like Michael Cohen always says on Mea Culpa podcast and on Political Beatdown, is Donald Trump is not running for the presidency to help the American people. He is running to stay out of prison. And once you view it through that lens, his entire all the chaos that he's sowing, all that entire stuff, you start to see that there's a little bit of a strategy to it, I'll say. I want to talk about Trump's speech, if you even want to call it that, in Michigan. Donald Trump hawking these $399 Trump sneakers as well. And as you dig deeper, there are just so many red flags there. I did a whole hot take on it, but I want to discuss it. There they are with the phony red bottoms also. I mean, it's just such garbage right there. Also, I want to make sure we do – I enjoyed doing this on the last episode, some of those shout-outs. So if anybody – Uh, buys 10 or more of the memberships on the YouTube by clicking that dollar sign below. At the end of the show, we'll give you a personalized shout out for doing so. We don't have outside investors here at the Midas Touch Network. So it's one of the fun ways to build this independent media platform. So if you gift 10 or more memberships, we'll give you a shout out at the end of the show. Jordy will be taking uh, that list right now, and we'll be back after our first quick break. Ever tried to break a bad habit and felt like you're climbing Everest in flip-flops? Yeah, we've been there too, but here's a breath of fresh air 
Fume, it's not about giving up, it's about switching up. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your Fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. The first time I tried Fume, it was way more flavorful than I thought, and it feels very fresh. The look and feel of Fume is very sleek, it's well-weighted, perfectly balanced, and extremely fun to fidget with. Plus, Fume's just released a magnetic stand for your Fume, so there's no more losing it around the house. It's built with fidgeting in mind. You can spin your Fume around and around and around it. Start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash Midas, T-R-Y-F-U-M dot com slash Midas and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when you use our code Midas to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Go to tryfume.com slash Midas and use our code Midas. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, as the new years progress, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Now, maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another, or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Well, therapy, it helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Now, I've personally benefited from therapy myself. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma, it's for everyone because what you're going through matters. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Midas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Midas. Welcome back. We are live on the Midas Touch podcast. Special thanks to our pro sponsor. You see this few magnetic stand, everybody? This is pretty sweet, fellas. That's really sweet. Real, oh. Yeah, really sweet. We hook it up. It looks fun too. They do a good job. <laughs> right. Do me a favor. Write in the comments if you if you have a fume and it's and it's helped you quit your bad habit and start a good habit. Because I see time and time again, I get emails all the time about how much people love this thing. So check it out. Fume links are in the description, uh, in the YouTube and also in the audio. Click it, use our promo code, let them know we sent you. And I also saw a few comments uh asking, Hey Jordy, I I gave the 10 memberships. Uh Prior to the Ben announcement, don't worry, I was taking track. So uh, your names are on the list for the shout out later. So thank you. So after Donald Trump gets hit with the massive $364 million verdict, and that adds to the $83.3 million verdict, 
at the end of January in the defamation case filed against him by his rape victim, E. Jean Carroll. Donald Trump is an adjudicated rapist. What does Donald Trump do on Saturday? He goes to Philadelphia to sneaker con. And uh, it's uh, an apt name, Sneaker Con. And Donald Trump uh, says that he's going to be selling these Trump sneakers and a Trump fragrance. Both are disgusting. If you're wearing a Trump fragrance, <laughs> I, I think Adam Kinzinger described what that would smell like. So uh, if you're near a barn of horse manure, uh, that's probably where they find this uh, this uh, this Trump. They call it Victory Forty Seven. I don't even know some bizarre. Victory. They call it Victory Forty Seven. Not not biggest loser ever. Yeah, who would want to smell like Trump? Like after all we've heard or two over the past couple months to release a fragrance is a bold move. I'm gonna say after all the comments that we've heard from Kinziger and others about the stench. To then release a fragrance that is just brazen. I'm going to say. We should, take the, Kinsinger, say we should take the Kinzinger comments of, of of that because it was so poignant, uh, and then just at the end go uh, whatever the Trump fragrance is. He puts the toilet in eau de toilette. I, I, what what we should do is we should take the uh, the Kinzinger comments and put like music behind it and make an advertisement. That's kind of that's exactly what you said it much better than I said it, but that's that's what I was saying. Well, sometimes you got to sometimes you got to clarify it. You know, did that not come through in a way that that, was that not obvious? What I was you just said what I said differently. You said to put it in a commercial format. Basically, I mean that's what I meant. I don't know about that. Well, look, look, politics though (laughs) is not supposed to be about selling NFTs. It's not supposed to be about selling three hundred and ninety nine dollars sneakers. I know Donald Trump's past is grifting and selling water and steaks and claiming that he was running Trump Airlines. And you go back, Ron Filipkowski, our editor-in-chief at MidasTouch.com, went through like 30 of these products over the past two decades or so, or maybe longer, that Trump would sell these products. They, they all failed. But this is Donald Trump's life. And this is not what politics is about. And so you know, when I, when I see a headline from Axios, Trump's high top sneakers sell out hours after launch. And they're basing that on, I suppose, what Donald Trump's uh, website says, which everything Trump says is a total lie. Like, why would you write that headline? Like, why would you further the stupidest propaganda? Like, if you're supposed to be a politics website, shouldn't you be commenting on the fact that that's disqualifying behavior? Like, what the hell are you doing? You're in you're in Philadelphia selling a stupid three hundred and ninety nine dollar sneaker because you just got hit with a three hundred and sixty four million dollar fraud verdict, and last month you got hit with an eighty three point three million dollar verdict from a federal jury in New York for defaming your rape victim. And the Axios headline is Trump's high top sneakers sell out hours after lunch. S- sell out where? They're, they haven't even been created yet. They've done like one or two of the of the sneakers. It was actually like a Russian CEO 
who won the actual sneaker that was brought out there. Like Classic. Russian CEO wins autographed golden Donald Trump sneakers after $9,000 bid. Like what the hell are we talking about here? Like if President we're talking Biden- about, I think we're talking about money laundering. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I can't wait. I, I, I hope I hope people accurately report the stories in the near future where people aren't going to be able to get the shoes that they have paid for. And how about this icing on the cake here is that the same people, these MAGA supporters who like to complain about the economy are just so willy-nilly willing to buy these $400 Trump shoes. So I, I, Economy must be pretty damn good if you could afford these. Economy good, economy bad. I could spend money on $400 sneakers or what's going on. Now, I did the math, Jordy. So in order to figure out uh, how many sneakers Donald Trump would need to sell, and this is just revenue basis, not profit basis, although we know they cost like pennies to make these things. In order for Donald Trump to make the amount from a civil fraud judgment, and the E.J. and Carroll judgment. I'm going to pull back on the interest for now. This is just just the base pay. Donald Trump would have to sell one million one hundred thirty-two thousand eight hundred thirty-two Trump branded sneakers to come up with the cash. I did the math. So, <laughs> and, and and let's be clear. We know who knows. No one knows if it's money laundering or what's going on here. But what we can conclusively <laughs> say is that this is very odd behavior. This is not presidential behavior. Can we start there and then get to really the crux of it here, which is that this should be disqualifying. This is some this is some odd stuff. And by the way, the sneakers didn't sell out after hours after launch. Like you, you could just go like just do please just do some basic media. Like just do some basic research. Like just go and even just look at the site. The same site that you are citing for this being sold out. The, the product hasn't even been created yet. It says Trump fragrances are when you go into the disclaimers of the website when it says when will they ship? Trump fragrances are expected. Is this his worthless clause? <laughs> this is the worthless clause right here. This is the worthless it's a great point. This is the worthless clause we're reading for the sneakers. Trump fragrances are expected to start shipping in June 2024. Trump sneakers are expected to start shipping July 2024 for the gold high tops. The gold high tops. This is the clownest thing in the world. And the POTUS 45 white knit and red wave knit are expected to ship in August 2024. It's February right now. You don't have the sneakers ready. Shipping and delivery dates are estimates only and cannot be guaranteed. Come on. We are not liable for any delays in shipments. For multiple product orders, we will attempt to ship all products contained in the order at the same time. Well, at a bare minimum, can you ship me my freaking products? <laughs> products that are products that are unavailable at the time of shipping will be shipped as they become available. Your order will ship as it becomes available. We will make reasonable efforts to ship your order as quickly as possible. We cannot guarantee when an order will arrive. Consider any shipping or transit time offered to you by us only as an estimate. We encourage you to order in a timely fashion to avoid delays caused by shipping or product availability. We will endeavor to charge you for all applicable sales tax. However, it is your responsibility as the customer to report any purchases of tangible personal property that has not been taxed by us and pay the sales or use tax. So you got to pay your own sales tax? You got to be like, I bought these Trump sneakers. Now I have to write a separate check to the government for sales tax for these sneakers because Trump is not paying the sales tax. Uh, I, this is some. This is I mean, look. The, the, so currently, you have president, and look, we're, it's President's Day, right? We have President Biden, who's focused on lowering prescription drug prices and protecting Social Security. You got President Biden focused on, you know, helping increase wages and fighting to protect unions. 
You've got President Biden focusing on veterans. You've got President Biden responsible for 40,000 infrastructure projects that are currently taking place across the United States of America. You've got President Biden responsible for the CHIPS Act, bringing the semiconductor industry back to the United States, right? You've got President Biden supporting our allies abroad. And you've got Donald Trump, on the other hand, on a stage, like selling these like clownish sneakers for $399 where they can't even guarantee the people who are buying it that you're going to get the sneakers in the first place. But like, take a look, like this is what Donald Trump spent his time over the weekend doing. This was Trump getting booed in Philadelphia. Just, just take a look at Trump on stage. He's like, a lot of emotion here. Here, play this clip. Wow. A lot of emotion. There's a lot of emotion in this room. Thank you. Thank you. So, so the really nice thing is we have lines, and I want to thank Chase, and I want to thank Alan, but we have lines going all around the block. They're going all around this block. They've never seen anything like this one. I just want to tell you, you know, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I have some incredible people that work with me. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing. He's standing on stage. It looks like he has, like, and no offense to clowns, because Trump's like a fascist clown. He's got like the clown boots, like just right there in front of him. He's getting booed. He's talking about how there's lots of emotion there. Like, what in the world is happening? And what the New York Times is going to write a story about, uh, you know, oh, you know, uh, people are not energized against him anymore. Was was that the story that they, they put up today, Brett? Anti-Trump burnout. The resistance says it's exhausted. Bracing for yet another election against Donald Trump, America's liberals are feeling the fatigue. Quote, we're kind of like crisis out, one Democrat said. Who are these people that you're quoting? Who are you talking about? How is this your story, New York Times, that you are (laughs) devoting your attention to? You're making up anti-Trump burnout. The resistance, you're calling it the resistance. you, You know who's pissed off right now? The pro-democracy community, independents, mainstream Republicans, progressives, liberals, Democrats, actual Republicans, not this MAGA mutation, people who are not affiliated with political parties, who I think watch what I'm watching here and go, what the hell is this? Like, what, what in the world am I even watching? You know, when we showed you that clip earlier in today's show about like one of the typical uh, you know, modern day Republicans, the MAGAs who show up at these events who goes, I love Putin. I love Putin. Putin number two, Donald Trump number one. And they show up at these events with like pro-Russia shirts. It, it's it's um it's unbelievable. Let me show you from so Donald Trump was mostly getting booed in Philadelphia. But to be fair, there was a moment where one of the cult members went on stage and Like, let me just show you this bizarre kind of weird cult ritual that's taking place. And a lot of it looks to be staged, but like, this is the modern, think of this is like what it means to be a Republican today right here. Standing on stage with Donald Trump selling $399 sneakers while you complain and whine about the economy while you're giving all of your money to Donald Trump, a purported billionaire 
whether it's to his shoes, to like silly books that are like letters that he got called Letters to Trump that he sells, stupid NFT cards, Melania's hair and makeup. Anyway, play this clip of this Trump cultist. sure that's a well-adjusted uh <laughs> here's the yeah and look here's the thing and maybe it's an unpopular opinion here but like i'm not going to punch down at that lady i actually feel and this is someone who would probably spit in my cereal if she had the chance to just based on our, our views on on the world and politics that's someone who who needs serious help and that makes up such a large portion of this maga base they're just they're fed this diet of BS constantly, whether it's the algorithms targeting them on social media. And look, they, they, they may very well be looking out for that type of stuff anyway, and that's why they're, they're being fed it. But regardless, you can't tell me you look at that one, that, that one person right there and say, that person's not brainwashed. Like that is some deep-rooted psychological uh, just just – a lapse of, of any sort of moral compass and standard. And I just I'm, honestly, I feel bad for that person. I really, really do. Because she's the one spending her $5, whatever money she has to her name, to continue on forward the grift, right? She's putting her own livelihood, the livelihood of her family aside to help this lunatic. For what? Because he's a quote-unquote Christian? No, he's not. He can, can he name a single Bible verse time and time again? They ask him what's his favorite Bible verse. He, he can't. He can't say it. What has he done that's actually been helpful to the American people? To one person? What he threw? He threw paper towels when there was a hurricane he, in, in, into a crowd. That was him being Christian-like. And I just feel bad for these people sometimes. I look at that lady, and it's just like, God, I'm sorry that 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 whatever in your life has brought you to this point where you have to rush the stage and put your arms around somebody who wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire. Well, I'll say there's a percentage of the population who I'd consider the unpersuadable category. I'd say that woman's part of it. And, you know, you see these polls occasionally that come out like after the Taylor Swift stuff and you see like mm -hmm. 20% of Americans believe that Taylor Swift is a government psyop. And you're like, oh, okay. Those are the MAGA people, right? Like there, there's a baked in 20 to 30% of people who are going to buy into every conspiracy theory. And that's who MAGA relies upon. That's and who their base is, right? And where those people- Fox was created um, and it was intended to do this type of damage. And then right-wing media, that's kind of followed that lead as well. We showed you earlier from 2014 when Donald Trump was praising Putin uh, invading Crimea and 
you know, the Fox host was, you know, you know, just kind of hoisting Donald Trump up there and promoting all of the things Trump is. Just think about every day you're trying to look for news, right? Jordy, to your point, we live in very confusing times. I mean, times have always been confusing, but it's particularly confusing. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of confusion. You know, you know, it feels that the rich are getting richer. There's, you know, because they are, you know, you, you see all of this and, and you're trying to piece this together and you're busy. You're working multiple, you're working multiple jobs, you know, with Republican policies since Ronald Reagan. They've chipped away at the middle, at the middle class. The rich have gotten, the rich have gotten richer. And you're trying to come up with and try to understand like what's going on? How do I make sense of this? So you, you turn on the news, right? Which used to be, you know, ideally trusted sources that were not perfect. But that did a lot of work to try to get accurate information that was vetted, right? So you're looking for your trusted source and you see Fox News and you see these, you know, good looking people, you know, these well dressed people, you know, these people who, who seem to sound smart. I say seem to sound smart. And they're out there every single day, you know, you know, projecting this narrative of, of that. People are trying to kill you. There's an invasion happening right now, and and, and they're going to try to kill you. And you know, just think about all the things they were, you know, doing with Obama when Obama was president. You know, about you know how everything's going to be destroyed, and they create this sense of like existential panic. And so you see, if you literally fry people's brains with this existential panic, you deprive them of the data and you create not a horror show movie, you literally direct a horror show in real life. That's what Fox is doing. And they're bringing it into people's homes every single day. And they're creating this fear. And when people, you know, are fearful and when people feel desperate, like Fox wants to make them feel, that's what you see. I see, you know, and look, I'm not saying that person's a Fox watcher, but I pretty much guarantee you that they are, or they probably go down the rabbit hole even further and start, you know, do watching Alex Jones and they start watching the Newsmax stuff and they start watching the OAN. And then it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And before you know it, you know, this becomes your way of life and you're living in a constant state of panic. And our philosophy here at the Midas Touch Network is, yes, things are very, very complicated, but we got to spend the time together to go over the data. We need to look through what the filings are. Okay, what's Donald Trump saying at his depositions? What's Eric saying at the deposition? What happened in the courtroom? Are there statements consistent with the data? Can we analyze it like that? That to me is how we have to make sense of complicated time. It's and, hard work, but and that's I'll what, say that's what we got to do again. And I'll add this: there are the the specifics of everything are complicated, but the fundamentals of what we are witnessing is not complicated. It's their basics. It's a basic of, do we like having a free and fair democracy that we constantly want to make better? Or do we want to live in a world of oligarchs that's run by somebody like a Donald Trump who is just doing the bidding for his wealthy buddies? That's basics. 
basics, basics. I think Sean Fain of the UAW, the United Auto Workers, I think he summed it up best when he endorsed President Biden. And Sean Fain said that Donald Trump represents the billionaire class. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the fundamental truth of what Donald Trump is all about. And when you peel back, see, I think what Fox tries to do is they try to overcomplicate things sometimes that in fact are simple. And they try to redirect your eyes, right? It's always a game of look here, not there while we pick your pockets. And you think back even a few days ago to the Kansas City uh, Super Bowl parade. And what did they do immediately? They started blaming illegal immigrants. They said it was an, a quote, illegal alien is what they said who did it. They started posting pictures of random people who were like being detained because they had too much to drink and had nothing to do with the shooting. You had members of Congress doing this. You had reporters from Fox and, and people like that doing this, uh, spreading these photos of just an innocent guy who had nothing to do with this because they want to make you fearful because at a certain point, they've figured out that this democracy thing is kind of hard. This democracy, we got to constantly be fighting for this every two years with all these elections and throughout all the in-betweens. We got to constantly be trying to convince and persuade. But what if we didn't have to do any of that? What if we just had a guy who did not follow the rules at all, can just dictate <laughs> the dictator what to happen in society, who could just put his buddies into positions of power to run companies, to run media networks, elevate the friends, push down the foes. That's how you get somebody like a Donald Trump. When the rich deem that democracy is too dangerous to their bottom line and they need a strong man in order to protect their wealthy interests. And I think that is so much of what this election is about. It's about, do you want to live in an oligarchy that looks much more like Russia than the United States or other Western democracies? Or do you want to live in the United States? What we've always thought about when we think about the United States, what troops have gone overseas in world wars to fight for. That's the American dream that we are fighting for as imperfect as it is. And that's what Donald Trump, Fox, OAN, and all these networks want to tear down. You know, and Brett, there's this kind of both sides. Uh, the, the Are you going to vote for the lesser of two evils kind of narrative? And I think Sarah Longwell said it great right here, which is this is a common mistake when setting up an equivalency straw man. See, Trump is evil. Biden is not. Biden is old and imperfect in many ways, but he is not evil. He is not an affirmative threat as Trump is. The choice isn't the lesser of two evils. It's evil versus not evil. Although I would go a step further and say, President Biden did the job that we hired him to do. Again, I don't know what else you want a United States president to do. I'm not sure what you think the role of a president is. Like, I, We're, we're going to show you in a little bit clips from Donald Trump in the speech in Michigan. You know, and there these are really weird. This is really weird, unhinged stuff. Like the role of the United States president is not to like, you know, go, oh, mommy, mommy. You know, the role of the president is not to like say, you know, I'd rather be uh, electrocuted than eaten by sharks. I don't want to be eaten by sharks. You know what I'm saying? Everybody know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not even funny. What he, he's not funny. It's just really. It's just very strange things that he's saying. Yeah, everybody aware. Uh, I took a cognitive test again. Y'all know what? Uh, you all know 
uh, General, uh, what, what's the Congress member's name? Ronnie Jackson. You know, you know Ronnie. You know Ronnie Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, can, the Candyman, the guy who doled out drugs in the White House pill mill. Yeah, you know I, that guy. I, I passed the cognitive. I passed the cognitive exam. It was really hard. There were six things. They asked me to say chair and table and and, and an animal. And, ben, and or post- alternatively, Ben, you could get the PACT Act and get care for <laughs> veterans who are exposed to toxins, right? You could get the American Rescue Plan that got us out of COVID. You could get the bipartisan infrastructure law with the tens of thousands of projects that are happening around the country as we speak. You could get the Inflation Reduction Act. insulin for seniors, a cap on prescription drugs. You could get Medicare negotiating prices with drug companies. You could get the Chips and Science Act, the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, the USPS Reform Act, the Safer Communities Act. That's the first major gun safety law that was passed by Congress in nearly 30 years and signed into law by President Biden. The Respect for Marriage Act, protecting same-sex and interracial marriage, the most green energy investments in history, while also having record high, record high oil production in American history, with a record high stock market, record low unemployment, the lowest inflation in the G7, the highest GDP growth in the G7, the U.S. economy outpacing China for the first time in 40 years, $137 billion in student debt canceled, 205 federal judges confirmed, plus, of course, the appointment of Katanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court. And I could go on. I could go on. Can I add one there, Brett? Yes. You'd get border security too. President Biden tasked a Republican who was known as being the quote unquote toughest on the border, right? Oklahoma Republican Senator James Lankford. Biden said, Lankford, you lead the negotiation. Give me your wish list. This is your issue. All of the Republicans said, you're the tough guy on the border. I will go with what you say. Obviously, we need to be compassionate to children and families, and we need safeguards there. This is still the United States of America. But come up with the toughest bill that you think that you want. And James Langford, the Republican senator from Oklahoma, did that. And the Border Patrol Union came out in support of that. But you know who said that this bill that was negotiated by a Republican was actually a Democratic deep state bill? Donald Trump. Donald Trump killed the border deal. He told MAGA Mike Johnson to kill that deal. The same way Donald Trump is killing funding to Ukraine and thereby killing people in Ukraine. That Donald Trump is responsible for Ukraine having to cede Adika. Right now, because of the fact that they're, you know, they don't have the resources that they need. You know, we are failing Europe because MAGA Republicans right now are refusing to take action because Trump is saying he wants to cause harm to our country. And Trump's saying it out loud. He wants to harm our country for Vladimir Putin. He wants to harm our country to cause chaos. He wants us to feel weak. He wants us to feel desperate. Trump wants us to feel pain because he thinks that's a winning issue for him to run on that as an issue. And it will help Vladimir Putin. That's that's just what's taking place before our eyes right now. And again, it's not hyperbole. I show you the data points. I'm showing you what Trump is saying about Putin. I'm showing you what his speeches are. I'm showing you what he's saying about the border. Look, there are issues with that border bill that I didn't like that were negotiated by the lead negotiators were Republicans. 
but I'm trying to find compromise. I'm trying to be solution oriented and figure out a way to solve problems. Donald Trump selling sneakers. He's out there selling $399 sneakers if they ever even arrive. Anyway, we'll talk about what's going on in Michigan and more. Let's take our last quick break of the show. Oh, by the way, if you do want to get those memberships, if you buy 10 or more memberships, we'll give you a shout out at the end of the show. So make sure you buy those memberships and gift those memberships. Now, if you want that personalized shout out from Jordy, let's take a quick break. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at that perfect temperature all night long. Now, using silver infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at that perfect temperature all night so you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than the bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash Midas to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code MIDAS at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Midas and use the code Midas to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Midas to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this. I know from a lot of the emails that you send me that a lot of you watching and listening are entrepreneurs. You run your own business. And you know I run a business too, the Midas Touch Network. So I know how hard it is to manage your numbers, manage the trends in the market, and budget everything. Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are now taking a week. You have too many manual processes and you don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you need to know these three numbers, 37,000, 25 and 1. All right, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And 1. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your key performance indicators, KPIs, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. The power of having all the information in one place to make better decisions and the unprecedented offer NetSuite is providing has been a game changer for us here 
at Midas Touch. And I think it will also be a major game changer for you and your business. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Midas. That's netsuite.com slash Midas, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash Midas to get your own KPI checklist. That's netsuite.com slash Midas. Check it out. Welcome back. We're live here on the Midas Touch podcast. By the way, I think tomorrow morning, I think Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this. So I think on Tuesday, I think we're going to hear from the Supreme Court on Donald Trump's application for a stay pending petition for certiorari on the issue of absolute presidential immunity. I think we'll, you know, I expect it's going to happen this week. Um, I think the justices met on Friday, from what I can glean. I think normally they would have came out with their order on Monday, but today's President's Day as this, as of this live recording. So I think we get it on Tuesday. I can't guarantee that. Well, I think we'll definitely get it this week, um, but um, I'm looking for it potentially uh, tomorrow. And my hope is that the Supreme Court does not grant Donald Trump's application for a stay pending certiorari. Special counsel Jack Smith said, look, if you do grant the stay, don't do it. But if you do grant the stay, just convert the request for a stay into a petition for certiorari, basically the appeal itself, and set expedited oral argument. I'll tell you, though, something really interesting. Y'all remember that case, Blasting Game, that we talked about, where the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals found that Donald Trump does not have absolute presidential immunity in in civil cases? Yeah. Alina Habba was not aware of that case when she was about her own client when she was asked by the Second Circuit Court of Appeal. But that was decided December 1st. Donald Trump does not have absolute presidential immunity in a civil case because they said his conduct related to the election itself. So it fell outside of the outer perimeter. Well, Trump missed the deadline to file his petition for certiorari. Um, arising out of that case. Now, he may have intentionally missed the deadline, but why would you seek certiorari before the United States Supreme Court on the issue of absolute presidential immunity in a criminal context, but not seek the same relief in the civil context when it would seem to be super simple to kind of just merge or consolidate those issues together? And if I'm the Supreme Court, don't I say, ah, it must not be that big of an emergency for Donald Trump if you're not going to file a petition for certiorari on absolute immunity in the context of civil cases anyway. I know I'm geeking out a little bit there on the law side of things, but I was-, was Listen, fascinated. don't get Ben started on the two Cs, SIPA and certiorari, or he will <laughs> just go on for can't, You can't stop him once you get him on those. Topics. I was surprised that he didn't file the- <laughs> The deadline was February 15th, and he's clearly missed that deadline at this point. I was just uh, surprised by that. But I was not surprised by his performance in Michigan in these traveling fascist circus- rituals that he calls rallies at this point. These things are so weird. You know, I I had a friend reach out to me last night and we were speaking and and the person said, you know, I caught the replay on C-SPAN and it was really (laughs) the first time I had watched 
one of these Trump speeches. And he's, he's like, this is like the weirdest thing I ever saw. I said, I know. I said, I told you, watch these before. Like, watch this. That's why I cover it on the Midas Touch Network because I want to spread the word about what's going on here because this is not normal political discourse. This is some just some real just odd, strange, dangerous behavior. And and he was like, yeah, like more people need to see this. I said, well, there's a reason why the Midas Touch Network is growing <laughs> the way the way it is. Like, I don't love spending my days watching Trump rallies, trust me. Um, it's just important that I do it, that I break it down and we can find the clips and we've got the best clip team in the game, whether it's Ron Filipkowski or Asen. ASIN just kind of crushes it, finds the clips, but Amazing. we bring it to your attention so that you know you can share these videos with as many people as possible. Because usually when an independent or a mainstream conservative or a mainstream Republican who's not really watching what's happening, but just getting their news from the New York Times right now or other legacy media, they don't fully get what's happening. It's being filtered through these gatekeepers. But then when they watch it, they're almost, they almost get angry. They're almost like, why didn't I see this? Like, why didn't people tell me? I go, exactly. That's the thing that these are really, really just as strange and deranged. It's almost unbelievably so. Like, I feel like when I talk about it, like I'm almost, like, it's hard to believe that these things actually happen. You know, I'd be like, yeah, you know, he goes out, he plays the J6 anthem, the what? Yeah, he plays an anthem with the J6 rioters and he has people pledge to the J6ers. You know, huh? Yeah, then he says that he gets more downloads than Taylor Swift, which he doesn't. He attacks Taylor Swift. Oh, what happens next? Well, then he tells a story about like lifting weights next to a trans woman. And then he says that, like, you know, you, you know, while you're doing that, you go, oh, oh, mommy, help me, mommy. And they're like, they're like, what? Yeah, that's that's part of the speech that he gives. Then he says he'd rather be electrocuted than eaten by sharks. And then he says, you know, and, and he adds things to this, but then he says that he thinks his body is better than President Biden's body. He doesn't like that President Biden goes to the beach. He spends a lot of time talking about that. He hates the wind. He hates windmills, spends lots of time talking about that. He attacks the prosecutors right, over and over again. He attacks the judges. He attacks witnesses in his cases. He does that for a, for a little bit. He talks about passing a cognitive exam. He says, drill, baby, drill, drill, baby, drill. And then he plays weird QAnon music, says how horrible the United States of America is and that it's all going to hell. And then he does a weird dance. And, and, and there are variations like we saw in Michigan, but that's generally the structure. <laughs> that's generally the structure of, of, of his speech at this point. So here he is in Michigan. So remember – on Saturday in the morning, he was in Philadelphia selling these $399 Trump sneakers, which hadn't even been made at the time, um, and he was getting booed there. Then he goes to Michigan, and here he is defaming E. Jean Carroll, his rape victim, who he was previously found liable for sexually assaulting and then liable for defamation in the amount of $83.3 million. Trump was defaming her in the courtroom. He couldn't control himself. He had, to, he had to defame her while being there physically in the courtroom in front of the jury. And he hadn't attacked her directly since the verdict in any speech, but here he goes. He just invited himself with another defamation lawsuit. Play this clip. How about the one two weeks ago? A woman, I'm saying, who the hell is she? Who is the woman? It's so unfair what's happening in our country. Our court system is a mess. 
what's happening in our country, they have to straighten. One of the crazy things, like as we were watching this, uh, whenever this was over the weekend, and we were going back and forth with our team on it, uh, you know, like 10 minutes passed, 20 minutes passed, 30 minutes passed, 40 minutes passed. And I said, has he been sp- talking about his legal cases this entire time? And he was like the entire speech is him just airing his grievances and attacking prosecutors and defaming Eugene Carroll again and speaking about the New York judge. And he doesn't speak about like anything else at a lot of these rallies. Like it's just <laughs> grievance, grievance, grievance. Yeah. Uh, woe is me. I'm the victim. It's, it's, it's just like Brett. It's a, uh, it, 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 it's MAGA Festivus. Right. Each one of these events, the airing of grievances for all you Seinfeld folks out there, because he just stands up in front of that crowd and just to your point, Brett, airs his grievances, complains for the whole X so, amount of hours he's on stage for. Magafest. So you know, the way I talk about it a lot, too, is, you know, really for kids and grandkids and just kind of even future generations like and having to explain like this, like that he's up there attacking a woman who he raped. He was found liable in front of a jury, yet he's the leader of the Republican Party, and he's defaming her in a speech. Like just even having to explain that to a to a kid, to a child, to a grandchild, to a family member who's trying to understand these things, and it not being covered by the media as a thing, so they they normalize that behavior. You know that are they too cowardly to say. Donald Trump is a rapist. Let me be very clear about that. I don't want to mince the words. He was adjudicated to be one by a jury. Donald Trump hangs out with Jeffrey Epstein or hung out with Jeffrey Epstein, said he was a very good guy, hangs out with women on the younger side or girls on the younger side. That's what Donald Trump said about uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Donald Trump is on audio recordings bragging about sexually assaulting women. Donald Trump brags about going into the dressing room of of girls in Miss Teen USA. He's on audio recording bragging about that and expecting little girls. I mean, it's horrific. How do you explain that, that that's the leader of the Republican Party? You know, that's not a political thing. Like, I mean it. Like, how am I supposed to explain? How do you explain that to kids and, and, and your grandkids? You know, it's, it's, it's horrifying to think about that and, and to be raising kids with that and to know that kids were raised at a time when it was that every single day when he was in office. Every single day when he was in office, that's what it was like. It was it was a deranged time period. It was an unhinged time period. It was not a great period of time. It was our raka. It was our dystopia, right? It was it was like having ISIS in America with Donald Trump just coming in and saying the every day you'd wake up with posts. What was one of the posts? I've started a cybersecurity division with Vladimir Putin. Remember he posted that in 2017? We've created a cybersecurity division. You what you created a cybersecurity division with our enemy? What the hell are you doing? Kim Jong-un sent me great letters, very big, big letters, and he held like a stupid big letter. I'm like, what in the what in the world is this anyway? I digress. Let me show you this. Donald Trump tells the crowd here to vote in the Michigan primary on November 27th. The primaries in February. Play this clip. We need you to get out and vote to set the stage for November. Go vote. November 27th. 
So remember this is a date that's very important. By the way, that would be for remember that MAGA. Remember that MAGA, November 27th. Go vote. November 27th. Get out to the polls. Put it in the calendar. Get out there. Stories. Eight op-eds if Biden ever said that. Like, let's like let's eight? Be You're being general. I mean, like 50. Are you kidding? Everyone would have a hot take on that one. I was gonna say eight op-eds just in the New York Times. Oh, sorry. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> just all there. Yeah. Yeah. All their writers. Wall-to-wall coverage about why that's disqualifying if Biden made any comment of it. Here, by, Trump by, by, by the way, that's what okay, sorry, go ahead. No, we're gonna say Jay. And I was gonna say just going back to the clip again from earlier in the show, right? That was nine years ago when we were hearing him speak. To where we're hearing him speak at these rallies now, there's something not all there. And that needs to be known and it needs to be spoken about in a much broader, you know, degree. Here Trump talks about being indicted and he calls it the N-word. Play this clip. But they think they are. They think they're tough. But a lot of them come to me and they'll say, How do you do it? You go through all these subpoenas. You got indicted. Yeah. Now, in my whole life, I didn't know what the N-word, I didn't know what indictment meant. You got indicted more than Alphonse Capone, Scarface. They say, how do you take it? How do you do it? You got indicted. You got indicted. I mean, I mean, it's, again, it's very weird to hear him talk about Alphonse Capone. He calls him the great Alphonse Capone. Oh, and I'll just show you this one right here. This is, I think, Donald Trump calling himself, I think he was going to call himself Lucifer. <laughs> play this clip. Play this clip. Fact, right? It's a, he couldn't call me by my whole for 20 years. He called me Donald. He can't call me Donald. I have that with a lot of friends. They used to call me Donnie. They used to call me Don, DJ. Now they all call me president. I say, call me loosen. I say, loosen up, loosen up. You've been my friend for 25. And again, the speech is that like the speech is what we just showed you. I'm not going to play the rest of it, but you know, we do longer hot takes on that for like an hour of that. Never once talking about issues that matter to you. Never once talking about the price of or, or, or tangible solutions about how you improve our infrastructure or how you improve healthcare access and how you improve just day-to-day -day things. It's not what he talks about. It's always me, 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 and just this like weird, unhinged, cognitively impaired stream of consciousness. And so it's no wonder, Brett, that a bipartisan group of historians and political <laughs> scientists rated Donald Trump as the worst president in American history. <laughs> By the way, I, I almost think you almost have to treat him not as the worst president the same way like during the steroid era. You don't even put those players like an in the rankings. I almost think you got to do like an asterisk, like Putin's puppet, like actually a Russian asset, you know, Putin's puppet, Harm the country, not even considered, you know, you know, you know. But in in all, in all seriousness, though, you know, last on the list. Brett, talk about that. Literally last on, yeah. Donald Trump came last on the list. This was a survey conducted by the 2024 Presidential Greatness Project Expert Survey, uh, consisting of historians and political scientists across the political spectrum. By the way, they ranked every U.S. president, and the number one president on the rankings was Abraham Lincoln. The num the last person on the list, the worst president in history, Donald Trump. Joe Biden came in 
Clinton at number 14 on the best presidents list, which really sent Fox into like a spiraling rage. Barack Obama came out number seventh on this list, which also sent Fox into a rage. Fox and their headline did not even want to say that Donald Trump came up last. So they figured, how do we frame this story? Okay, let's frame it to enrage our viewers as much as possible is the way that they wanted to push it. So their article headline was new presidential rankings place Obama in top 10, Reagan and Trump below Biden. That's supposed to be like <laughs> how, how, how they stir rage. Yeah, Reagan and Trump. Below. Trump was last. Trump was below everybody. Okay. And, you know, I think it's interesting though, when you see actual historians who are judging people by their records and not by the media nonsense. And not by what cultists are saying, right? Like when, when you actually have these authorities look at the actual data, that's the conclusion that they came to. And one of the interesting things that I found about the survey also is it wasn't much different when they had the historians who considered themselves Republicans and conservatives. Trump also came in the final, in the last five, even amongst those who consider themselves Republicans or conservative, which I thought was incredibly interesting about this poll. And like I said, Fox was like losing their minds about this all day, trying to tell this to their viewers. It's just, uh, oh boy. You could, you could, by the way, we have that at MidasTouch.com. We have the full list. If you want to see it, you can look up the article. Uh, we have the entire thing. So you could read out all the different categories, everything that's going on. Something else I definitely wanted to highlight for everybody, which is really good news for the Democrats out of Wisconsin. The Wisconsin governor, Tony Evers, signed into a law, a pair of new state legislative maps. If you remember, there was a lot of attention about these state legislative maps. They wanted to like impeach the new Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Janet Protasewicz because they had a feeling, and she did, that she would vote, uh, you know, against the old maps, um, the gerrymandered Republican maps, and so they wanted to do this whole political politicized impeachment against her. But the signature from the Wisconsin governor it marks the end of this long fight, and it means these state legislative races in the state of Wisconsin are finally going to be balanced out. They're not going to be gerrymandered into the Republican uh, categories. And so what this means is there could be a big blue shift in the state legislature of Wisconsin, which currently is, has, has, is very Republican dominated simply because the way the maps are drawn. But when you actually look at the actual votes and the actual people in the state, there are more Democrats and, and it should actually be a state that is in Democratic control. So this actually balances out those maps. That's very good news, I would say, heading into these elections. You know, look, I just want people to have the data. And right now, when I follow the data and I say, okay, which political party, which group of people are trying to figure out solutions. Which group is actually implementing things that have been helpful and have tangible benefits? Which group is standing with our allies and against our enemies? I come to the conclusion when I look through that data, it's only one of the two major political parties, and it's not even close. And right now, that's blue. That's the Democratic Party. But if they veer from their ways... They don't get me. They don't get me loyal forever just because they're focused on the issues right now that matter. And for me, the kind of paradigm that exists right now is frankly not – 
don't see it as Democrat Republican anymore. I see it as a pro-democracy blue community. And then I see it as kind of MAGA red. That's where I see it. You know, and I am, I'm reaching out to, you know, Nikki Haley supporters. I'm reaching out to DeSantis supporters. I'm reaching out to other mainstream, you know, Republicans or mainstream Republicans. I'm reaching out to anybody who understands the threat. I, I, I am. That's just, to me, that's what's important right now. You know, and I understand there's a lot of issues there that, um, you know, in the future, there'll be some great disagreements over. But fundamentally, Donald Trump standing on a stage selling $399 Trump sneakers, you know, that have this whole shady past. I just want to let voters know that's not normal behavior. And so right now, what's so fundamentally important, like we're not going to get those people, Brett, who jumped on stage, you know, or the person who says that they want to have Vladimir Putin. The typical, that's not the kind of person that's going to join the pro-democracy coalition. I've kind of written that off. I really have. But I do think that there is a large group of Americans who understand the true silent majority gets it. And to me, that's the pro-democracy community right there of people, of people. That's what I'm not referring to the politicians. I'm not referring to Nikki Haley herself. I'm not referring to DeSantis. Right. I'm referring to people, referring to, to, to humans who, uh, who want to try to come up with productive solutions. I hope. I hope. And I know there, that, that, that maybe hope springs eternal, but one of my you know life missions, our life missions, is to reach across the divides and find ways to bring people together. And that's one of the missions of, of the Midas Mighties, pro-democracy, pro-democracy first, pro-normalcy first. And, 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 I, and I'll leave y'all with this, and then Jordy's going to give the shout outs. I feel very confident right now. I, I feel good. I feel what the media is doing, it feels desperate, it reeks of desperation to me. And I know sometimes it could have tangible effects on, on your psyche. Like I, I truly understand that. Like it, it, it does cause a great deal of anguish. So I don't want to minimize what it is that the media, you know, is doing. But I look at what they're doing when they try to create these both sides stories. To me, it's also kind of their last gasp as well as as the media too trying to find some sort of relevance and trying to stoke up the fears that worked for them in the past and like it just reeks of desperation because it's so inconsistent with what actual data is showing every single special election every single referendum when you look at the data of where independents are when you look at the shrinkage of the republican party that's gone full maga and then i see these reports sometimes just so you know how i feel when i read it i just go there they go again there they go again and it reeks of desperation to me i feel calm right now i feel confident i'm at peace where where we are Right now, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but what I'm confident about is that when America has a choice between democracy versus authoritarianism, when it has a choice between 
actual freedom, like the freedom over your reproductive rights versus what MAGA wants to do and take those rights away and dictate who you can marry. When America has a choice between just kind of, you know, you know, the images of, of normalcy versus those images of, of Donald Trump and MAGA, you know, and, and MAGA people talking about mermaid, destructive mermaids trying to like harm the country. I mean, they say the craziest things, you know, even though Donald Trump, like I'm confident that America is going to make the right call. Now we shouldn't get lazy. We just got to kind of keep building this together and, 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 and we will. And I'm grateful for you, the Midas Mighty. All right, Jordy, I want you to read out anyone who's gotten 10 memberships or more right now. And I find love it. It's right now, if you give the 10 memberships or more, Jordy will still do his best to try to find it. But Jordy? Most definitely. I want to thank everyone who donated any memberships at all. It helps continue to grow the pro-democracy movement here at the Midas Touch Network. Apologies if I don't pronunciate the names the right way, but I love you no matter what. So shout out Midas Debbie, Kathy Cat. Chewy, Darlene Farmer, Gracie Zunt, Kay Strenahan, Beverly Lowe, Jane Daniel, JP, Nancy Chadwick, Ian Dingle, Stacey Fogel-Real, Josh It, Luis Rodriguez, Peter, who dropped another 50 spot, Lorraine Freelow-Hawkins, Gomer Piles, Matthew Preble, Ohio Beverly, and Nick Van Dems. Thank y'all so much, and most importantly to everybody, shout out to the Midas Mighty! The At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.